Hello to all you listening and watching and uh, welcome to TNT ESQ. I'm Rhys Thomas and I'm here with my co-host Teresa Quinlan and uh, we're here to explode the status quo. The series is all about talking with people who are helping us to think differently so that we can do differently. Uh, our guest today is Tony Boomer. She is one of the rising stars of LinkedIn. Her posts are so inspiring and uplifting. I'm thankful every day that we are connected. But did you also know that Tonya is a president and CEO of Together for the Good, a specialist military-focused organization supporting mental health and suicide prevention? She's also the co-founder of Sister Check, a global support ne network for at-risk women, as well as being a global goodwill ambassador and recently finished her first book on suicide prevention. We don't know where she finds the time, and it always amazes me to think that one person can hold so much love in their heart. We're so excited to have you on the show today, Tonya. Thank you for being here with us and today to explode the status quo around mental health in the workplace. Thank you. It's an honor. <laughs> I know, I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so look, you're, you're obsessed with making a difference, breaking down some of the stigmas, preconceptions around mental health, abuse and suicide in the workplace uh, and have some great insights into what today's leaders need to change to look out for and to act upon right what's the story about how this came to be the thing that you've dedicated your life and, and want to teach others about but, but like simon sinek says let's start with the why and then the what tell us where does it all begin so the journey actually started when i met my husband and he was injured in the army. He ended up getting hit upside the head with a two by four. A fight had broke out after they were, it was him and three other guys were coming back on base after doing patrol. And he was down in Fort Hood, Texas. And he just, they just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And um, it cracked his head open from the base to the top. And he had, 26 staples in his head. The significance of the story is this is where the journey began because he went undiagnosed. They stapled him up and sent him back to active duty. He already showed the signs of what a brain injury shows. He had the violent outbursts, he had the uh, severe depression, the mood swings. And while he was in there, he was getting demoted rank because it looked like you're just being an insubordinate soldier. Like the signs were there, everything in, in plain sight, and there was nothing done about it. I was a nurse that worked at the VA as a contractor. Like it just started getting worse and worse. He started having violent tendencies, significant mental issues. He attempted suicide. He wanted to crash his truck into the liquor store. After we had a physical altercation, he ended up knocking me out, unfortunately. Me being a, a nurse, I, I already knew what I was getting myself into because I've, I've worked around brain injury patients. I've worked around patients with PTSD. So it wasn't, it wasn't anything that was of any shock to me. It was unfortunate I had to go through it this is where it led into the diagnosis stage of where he needed 
the treatment and to understand what was going on. He went 12 years without being uh, diagnosed. So you have a significant lapse in time where the treatment just wasn't happening at all. He went through 12 years of the severe depression, the anxiety, the suicidal tendencies, couldn't keep a job. And there simply wasn't anybody to teach us or guide us through the system whatsoever. What ended up happening is ultimately I became his advocate and I started asking the right questions with the doctors that I had worked with. They said, it sounds like he has a brain injury. It sounds like he has a traumatic brain injury. We ended up going to the Battle Creek VA and he got a lot of testing done. Come to find out he had uh, calcified blood clots on his brain. So it was a significant miss in the system. That's where I push really hard on the brain injury side because there's always signs that are related to PTSD and brain injuries. You just have to be willing to look for these signs and understand what's going on. So that's ultimately where that journey started and the suicidal part of it not only his experience, but I unfortunately tried to take my own life. It was definitely a very dark moment in my life. And I speak on it freely because it happens. I'm so adamant and passionate about it that maybe others are out there that are struggling, that are afraid to come forward and speak on it. It's, it's almost like in order for me to heal myself, I have to, I can speak on it and hope and pray that other people will engage and say, you know what, I also did. I am also struggling. I also am having, you know, the depression and the anxiety and everything that goes with it. Um, I have a twin sister, by the grace of God, that tried to take her life. That is shortly after that is when I tried because it was, it was so hard for me to even comprehend that she, didn't feel like we were close enough to talk to, that she could tell me that she was having these issues. The month before, we had a, a really close friend that took his life, and he was found in an abandoned house with a drug overdose. And the last thing he put on Facebook was, I'm sorry, and nobody reached out. Tanya, your story is perhaps one that a lot of people listening will feel the depth of because they may have had similar experiences. Mm -hmm. And then also in the same token, you know, the spectrum across our audience will be that some people will never have had this experience before in their life, but they can relate potentially to the fact that you found yourself in multiple situations where it could have been fairly easy to take the I'm getting out of here approach. Yeah. Like this is really difficult and I am going to run away from this. I'm gonna quote unquote, perhaps save myself. But you made a choice to lean in instead. With your husband, you leaned in. With your sister, you leaned in. With yourself, you're leaning in. And sometimes I can relate this or I think of it in the aspect of perhaps knowledge is power. What is it that we need to know around things like suicide and mental health? What were those questions you asked? What was the first step you took in your own education? Sure, you were a nurse, but I am sure there are things that you needed to do to be able to become more aware of 
what do I need to look for? What can I do? How can I help? And what our audience really needs to know is those kinds of things. Like shortly after my sister, it was like a huge eye-opening experience. A lot of research went into it, a lot of reading up on exactly what did I miss. I mean, as a healthcare professional, you, you don't expect to miss anything, but what did I specifically miss the key signs that I, I could go back and, and try, to, try to understand and try to help her with or try to help anybody with at that point? Um, so it became a mission of trying to understand why in the first place somebody would become suicidal in moving forward what ways can we engage with individuals that are feeling like they have no no hope or no ability to thrive in life that ultimately became a lot of research and a lot of just talking to different individuals who have experienced it you just use that information the best of your ability. Ultimately, what I missed, and I can say that most people probably do miss it, is the very subtle signs. Mm -hmm. There are very, very subtle signs that people who are in a suicidal um, ideation or the tendencies already have the tendencies, we miss them. Mm -hmm. You can say that, oh, somebody's just having a bad day or having, they're just, they're having mood swings. Okay, but you have to look into the mood swings. Is this normal for the person to have these kind of mood swings? Is it normal for them to become suddenly irate over, over no situation? Is it normal for them to become severely withdrawn to the point where you can't even get a hold of them for a few days? Mm. See, what I miss is I used to talk to my sister on a regular basis and it was nothing for, you know, uh, family members to have a spat right? Mm -hmm. So you go a couple days, you cool down and that's fine. But when you're going a week and two weeks without speaking to somebody, you just think, me, I personally thought she's just holding a grudge. Mm. That's personally what I'm thinking. In, the, in reality, like it was significant enough for her to feel like she lost her sister to the point where mm -hmm. she felt that I have nobody else left in, in, in my circle a lot of people don't understand, but when she's in pain, I feel it. When she cries, I feel it. Mm -hmm. So I always know when there's something wrong, but I didn't pick up on it this time. And I think that's what bothered me the most is that it was right in front of my face and I completely missed it. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I just want to ask quickly, I mean, obviously the two of you had a quite similar experience there. And obviously you said that she's okay now. So I wanted to ask you how the two of you took steps to re-strengthen that connection to go build past whatever it was that was causing you to have that ultimate decision how have you got past it together if people are in a similar situation what have you done as a special bond as, as sisters we're not quite there and it's okay because it's it's a work in progress every single day we have our moments i i carry a lot of hurt and that's for me to get over. That's not for her to get over. It's for me to work through it because she felt so alone. If I get emotional, is that right? Yes, um, that's right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> that she felt so alone that she couldn't reach out to me, I think is the hardest thing for me to try to get through because I always thought we were stronger than that. But then on the other side, you know, there was hurtful things that were said. I remember being in the hospital 
she told me that I was the most selfish person, that I should let her take her life. And I think that's really, really hard for me to comprehend sometimes that the words are still in my head, but I know that in the moment where she was, like she wasn't in a good place mentally and she tried to overdose on heroin. That to me was like, like another miss in my eyes. Like I, I knew that there was something going on because I could see something going on, but I didn't know the extent behind it and come to find out she had been on drugs for about eight years. Eight years of my life I have to live with, I missed eight years of you being on drugs. And while this is not like a counseling session at all, oh. <laughs> at all, I think, you know, also too, it's really important. And I've, I've taken mental health first aid training. That's it. I don't, I don't have any expertise at all in this area. I have a little bit of information under my belt. So I definitely know what's outside my scope of practice, <laughs> right? Is that sometimes too, the, the blame that can be carried or the shame that can be carried or the guilt that can be carried from not spotting signs can also objectively be looked at how well those signs were hidden from you. So the I, ownership of I miss something can, can be part of that guilt and blame process. However, the objectivity around it was, it was hidden so well, there was no way I was going to see it until it was obvious. Yep. We can say it was out in plain sight, but who, who am I to say what's plain sight? You know, we grew up in a very, very tight-knit family. We're supposed to be inseparable, and we're supposed to look out for one another, but, you know, sometimes it is, it is hidden, just like suicide can be hidden. It takes people off guard. It completely takes the family off guard. I was, I was grateful enough and, and blessed enough for my sister to survive through this, Unfortunately, that some people don't get to have that second chance and they live with the same guilt that I'm feeling and she's a survivor. They have to live with that the rest of their life because they're, they're not understanding what they missed or how they could have possibly missed it. And the truth of the matter is, unless we're looking for it, it can be easily missed. And some signals are blatant like what inconsistency and erraticacy and behaviors you're like this is this is not just a one-off thing this is like stringing together now it's becoming something that i need to ask about what i'm hearing you say is when i see signs that string together that's a signal that something is off and what might only be in my responsibility is to ask about it mm -hmm. and maybe to ask up these straight questions like uh is there any risk of you hurting yourself or you hurting someone else like I need to ask. It may not be in my place to solve it or fix it. I don't have, I'm not, I'm not a nurse. I'm not a specialist in this area, but it is my responsibility to notice and to ask about it and then potentially to help with, well, what are the resources we have available to us to help us through what's happening? Whether that be counseling or, or suicide specialists or mental health professionals, whatever right. might be involved there. Right. Yeah, and I'd carry that with by saying that often when, when it's someone that you are so close to, you, you have such an existing relationship with them, you almost have that picture of them in your head and it's, it's ingrained in there. And even if it might be obvious to a stranger, you only see that person through the, the perspective that you have always looked at them. And so I'd say it's probably normal for people who are that close to perhaps miss something. And then at a later stage, you might come back and start saying, damn, why did I miss that? Why did, what, what did I do wrong? Which is obviously how you're feeling. But 
I want to focus on how you've turned that into an empowering uh, project. And, and I want you to tell us about um, Together for the Good. And I would love to know, because one of the beautiful things about you, Tanya, and we've not known each other very well, but I think it was in your second post, you started to call me sweet sis, right? And Reese's introduction was all about the love that you carry in your heart. Now, we just heard all some, not even all, some of the trauma that's been experienced of your life. And yet, you strive forward with so much love. So the, the, the phrase sweet sis is resonated from we as females have to learn to empower one another and not try to outbeat one another. Sister Check is a phenomenal group of absolutely amazing women that we have therapists, we have doctors, we have women from the military, and we are on a global level. Sister Check ultimately happened because it started with one woman who is my best friend in the whole wide world. And she is in the military. She was in the military. She was suffering with uh, suicidal tendencies. Her and I came up with just the hashtag sister check. That was my way of checking in on her every single day. It grew from her saying, hey, I have somebody else that I want to be a part of this to turning into 500 women that intentionally on Mondays, we check in with each other. We check in to see how they're doing. And on Wednesdays, we started a mental health check where we just say, hey, how you feeling? If you want someone to talk to, we're here to talk. So it's, it's, it's the accountability as individuals that we have to look at one another and be like, if I was in that situation, I would want somebody to love and respect and make me feel like I was somebody as well as me trying to heal and do everything that I'm going through. So it's, they're helping me and I'm helping them. And it's, it's, it's a very balanced formula that we have going on right now. The sweet sis, and I absolutely love it because that's what I call all my lovely ladies that I connect with. You are literally my sisters and I am held accountable for my sisters. One day I will get to the men. I will get there. <laughs> <laughs> You've got supporters here, that's for sure. I appreciate it. This is definitely an amazing thriving thing that's going on right now. I, I could not be more thankful, more blessed with the with how it's how it's happening. You you just never know. You start with one and look what happens. We haven't even hasn't even been a year yet. That's amazing. And Reese asked for you to really let's toot the horn on the, the mission behind Together for the Good. Together for the Good, working at the VA will open your eyes. When you work as hand in hand with the patients and understanding their life and their missions and how they feel. It was very sad to see a lot of, of family members just drop them off in the VA home and say, here you go, here's the rest of your life. And that's ultimately where they die. And, and they have literally nobody to say, hey, thank you for your service. We really appreciate everything you have done. And Look so your Together for the Good is focused on so we're bridging the gap between the families and the community. And that's ultimately where it needs to start is the community. We literally have let them go and deal with whatever demons that they are facing on their own. And that is the most disgusting thing in, in, all, in all fairness that we say, hey, here you go. Go fend for yourself now. I don't know what to tell you. So we are ultimately just trying to bridge the gap 
in between you transitioning from the military and educating the family. Because the only way that we can do it, if the families know exactly what they're getting into when they come back home. And I, I didn't know what I was getting into. I, I honestly did not. It was a trial and error situation. The biggest problem that I feel, and I just went to the VA mental health summit last weekend, so they can affirm it, is we have no community support. The VA is, is packed full of resources to help and to guide families and guide our soldiers, but they have to be willing to reach out and say, hey, I need the help. This is what's wrong with me. There was a panel at the, the VA summit last week, and one of the questions was, why do the men and women in uniform feel they have to hold everything in? Mm. I'm going to elaborate on this one. This was, this was huge for me. very interesting because this might actually even bridge a gap for our leaders of organizations who have individuals that might be struggling or a parent who has a teenager who might be struggling. I have a feeling that what you're about to say is applicable across more than just the military. In the military, you are trained to be a leader. You are trained to be a superior officer. You are get the job done situation. When you are in boot camp and you are drilled everything that you are to know, and then you come back out, you are completely lost because you're used to somebody telling you every single day what needs to be done. And this is how you do it. Your world that you knew existed does not exist anymore. The family that you had may not exist anymore because some of these men and women are on tours for several years at a time. You take several years of your life, you're being told what to do every single day. And here, go back out into the civilian world and try to live your best life. Good Where life. every day isn't a life or death situation. We're operating within this 24-hour zone of if Complete I do not chaos. do, yeah, if yeah. I do not do what I'm told, if I do not follow orders, if I step out of line even once, then it could be life or death, either mine or somebody else yeah. that I'm responsible for. And you go from that sense of self-worth self to having your brothers and sisters in arms standing next to you and depending on them every single day to dispersing. And if you're lucky, you, you keep in contact. And if you don't, well, then you're literally starting your life over. So it's like taking a newborn child and bringing them back out and saying, here you go. Now learn to grow up again. Mm -hmm. We're going to do our best to give you the resources to try to help you, but it's not necessarily going to get done. Because as we know it, the mental health system is overloaded already. Why would, why would anybody feel comfortable um, letting their guard down, saying that there's something wrong? Another huge stigma with it is they're afraid of something going on their file. Nobody wants anything on their file saying that they're having mental health issues or that they're suicidal or they have PTSD because everybody wants to stay in their rank. Everybody wants to keep moving up. They don't want to stop. So why would you reach out? I think that is a, a stigma that's kind of across all society, really, to, to different degrees. I mean, in the workplace, probably not to the same degrees, obviously, but there's still the same scenario. And I mean, I, thankfully, it's getting better. But, you know, people don't want to have something on their file, just in the same way, as you said, about in the military, they don't want to be noted for having depression or mental health issues or something like that. They don't want to draw attention to it. When you're coming out of the army, there's sort of this release into the world without 
any sort of transitionary period mm -hmm. without any sort of relearning or reacquiring. And you said the VA is already really quite stressed and, mm -hmm. and their resources are really quite stressed, but organizations like yourself, these are the types of services you're providing within your community and together for the good is sort of a reintegration, a wind down, if you will. Our, our next adventure and what we are actually leading into right now is a, a AFC home has uh, opened up. We are in the process of uh, um, acquiring it. So what we want to do is we want to turn it into a military transition home. If they do not have a place to go or they feel like they need the support immediately, we want them there. We already have the resources from the community all around us that are already in place and we're able to monitor them. We have a doctor, Dr. Amina Ali is the vice president and she handles the mental health side of it. When we notice something, we're able to get a firsthand step on it. Ultimately, it, it becomes like you're, you're literally closing the gap between society and helping them immediately. We'll help you with your VA benefits. We'll take you down to the VA, get that mental health care. And then we already have the report written up that says, hey, we've been tracking them for the last 90 days. This is what we've been noticing. Here's the file for you. We just want to help. That's what we're doing. And that way you are able to find your, get your benefits, get the job. You know, we have great organizations like Michigan Works. Like I've met some amazing individuals that are, are willing to literally reach out and say, you know what, here you go. This yeah. is what we want to deal with. Anybody that is able to say, yep, I'm going to give you my resources. Here you go. Guess what? We're able to do it all in one central location instead of sending you here, sending you yeah. there. Feel like stability at this point is so critical. Yeah, from an outsider view, stability for sure. And you're on the inside, so you would know that that is really critical. And I'm like, you are making it so easy for people to say, I need help and everything else is taken care of. The courage to just say those words is all we need. Yep. It's no shock to anyone listening. We can't not pay attention to mental health, suicide prevention, whether it's with our loved ones, whether it's with our employees, whether it's with our uh, military who have served our country. As we sort of wrap up our discussion today, I want to really make sure that our listeners know from all of this experience that you have in experiencing the downside of it, also experiencing the upside of it, because you get to see the success stories on the other side of all of this magnificent work as well, is, you know, what do people whether I am a mom, a teenager, whether I'm a teacher, whether I'm a, a boss, a CEO, whether I am a vet myself, what do people need to know? What do people need to do to move them closer to being more prepared or more knowledgeable in your opinion? I feel like you need to educate yourself and those around you and, and don't come from a place of judging, but a place of understanding. And I feel like once we let go of the judgmental side of it and the, the stigma that sits behind it, I feel like there, there's a place of understanding and compassion. But until, it's almost like if, until you don't go through it yourself, you'll never understand it. We as a society have it in our head that if it doesn't affect me, I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to deal with it. And I think that is the 
biggest, biggest problem that we have is that it's everybody's problem. Right. Everybody's problem to fix this because we all got ourselves into this. Mm -hmm. So we all need to fix and get it out. You know how I was talking about that generational gap? Mm -hmm. The generational gap, we are still living off from the beliefs of our parents. Mm -hmm. And the beliefs of our parents raised us and taught us to suck it up and deal with it. What happens behind closed doors, stay behind closed doors. Well, that's where we are stuck in a society is we are stuck in that moment right there. And until we have people willing to open their door and saying, I'm here, I'm here to help. What do you need? The, the compassion and the care behind it is so huge that also, sometimes it just takes somebody to reach out and know that, that you care for somebody to reach that point of saying, all right, I'm ready. So can you share with us uh, a moment when someone reached out, the success story on the other end of that? I have one girl, and I'm sure she will love me to death. Her, her name is Trish, and I actually met her on LinkedIn. I, I noticed a pattern. I noticed a pattern in her posts. I, I noticed the pain. There was pain there. And to this day, it's been over a year, she is, she went, she started going to school for psychology and she's doing amazing. And her and I check on each other every single day. And it's those little moments right there that make what I'm doing so passionate and so caring because I, I've not only formed a bond with somebody for her to come back and say that you saved my life was probably the most impactful words that I've ever heard in my life. And now she's on a venture to help save others. Yeah. It is a snowball effect. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. I mean, I think what I'm hearing is that, like with so many problems, we, we speak to lots of people on here, you know, in our comments, in our clients, in, in our posts. Communication is the most important thing. It's something that's so simple, it's so accessible to everybody, and it can solve so many problems. Even just listening, it doesn't even have to be a conversation. Just knowing that you're there. That's why I love the your sister check idea. Could that really work in a, in a work environment? But also I was like, well, could have a huge benefit for any, any community. This is the global impact of this TNTESQ, uh, Reese, <laughs> is that we're making visible for other people. Tanya's got a blueprint that is working. So if you want to start your own sister check group, connect with Tanya and she'll tell you how to set that up. And now you've got one in your community, in your city, in your village, in your tribe, in your workplace. You've got something like this set up. This is why global domination is part of our, our quest, Tanya. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. And brother check. You'd be surprised. Actually, you know what? Recently, uh, more and more men are, are actually reaching out. Really, once you start that momentum of reaching out, um, especially men, because men have that, I'm a lion, hear me roar, <laughs> kind of situation. Well, some women have that too. Oh, well, yeah, I do. But <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, men have that. They, they have to be strong for the family. They have to be strong in the workplace, and they have to dominate it, and that's just how it is. Well, guess what? Men, men suffer too. Even as, even as uh, psychologists and doctors, and we all suffer from the traumas, we all suffer from the depression. At some point in time, something gets to us, but we just have to be willing to reach out. 
because yes. that's the commonality that you I'm hearing through all of your messages. There's a commonality between all yeah. of us. We all experience it. So why do we have a, there's no need for us to have a stigma about reaching out because in all right. likelihood, the person you're reaching out to can relate, maybe not to the depths, but can relate in some way or another to go, I feel you. I know exactly what it is that you're going through, or I understand what you're going through. We can understand it. Most of us have gone through it in one way or another. Yeah. Tanya, we, I, I know I've personally learned quite a bit. You know, what you're talking about, what you're doing is so important to your community, to your VAs, especially. I can only imagine, you know, the cataclysmic journey that you're on and how many lives you're going to change. So thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for sharing that vision with us, Sister Check community. Brother Check is on its way. Uh, for our audience listening and watching, if you want more, you can connect with Tanya on LinkedIn. Check out her website, www.togetherforthegood.org. You can find on her website a free book on suicide prevention in the military. You can also contact her by email, togetherforthegood at yahoo.com. <laughs> That's it. All right. So, you know, this, this was an intense, it's an intense topic. And, you know, while we got real intense, we're going to wrap up with a rapid fire Q&A we like to do with all of our guests. Two statements, you gotta pick one, no straddling the line. When you hear the choices, just pick. Are you ready? Yep. Manager or leader? Leader. Active or reactive? Active. Black and white or gray? Black and white. Optimist or realist? Whew, um, I'm a realist. England or Canada? Oh, I'm going to England, baby. <laughs> I'm not going back. <laughs> I think we both know the answer to this next one. Heart or head? Heart. Empathy or assertiveness? Empathy. Introvert or extrovert? Extrovert. <laughs> Logical or emotional? Ooh, you said no straddle the fence. Um, Logical. Innovation? or process innovation thank you so thank you much. so much sweet sis oh you guys are amazing i absolutely love this i'm so looking forward to you guys doing amazing things with this thank I you am. so much for being with us today yeah you thank so you so welcome. much it wouldn't be amazing without guests like you so look, i really appreciate you coming on i really appreciate your honesty and sharing that being vulnerable but also i love that we have given you a platform to promote the amazing things that you're doing and i can see you going much further much greater things happening so thank you so much to our audience listening we look forward to seeing you on our next round of tnt esq hey thanks for joining us on this episode of tnt esq with myself Teresa quinlan and my co-host reese thomas it was a pleasure having you stop in and listen until next time keep challenging the status quo